Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The following is a presentation of ATX Sports Talk Productions. It's Texas football talk. From those who wore the burnt orange. Welcome to Longhorn Lowdown. Now, here's Todd Hunt, Stevie Lee, and Stu Myrick. Welcome to another edition of Longhorn Lowdown, a special Monday edition on a very rainy Monday here in the ATX. And uh, before we get going, all of our thoughts, prayers, best wishes to everybody on the Texas coast as Tropical Storm Beta makes its way towards Rockport and Gulf and, and Corpus Christi and such. So please be safe. Uh, Stevie Lee is, I, I would say, on assignment, but no, he's, I think he's doing either a family visit. Oh, he's, he was helping his dad move, uh, his family move yeah. in Shreveport. So Todd Hunt, myself, Stu Myrick, and joining us on the virtual couch this week or tonight a uh, gentleman that I've gotten to know over the last several years through my work with the Horn and um, just a, a fantastic individual. He's he is he's the man responsible for all of the every media person that is in Austin and every media person that covers Texas in the Big Twelve. He makes sure that they get what they need. Even it might not be what they want, but they get what they need. And he is one of the best in the business. Uh, it is great to to welcome in the associate athletic director at the University of Texas, the man that we get to see all the time at different things. John Bianco, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I was laughing, thinking about uh, your intro and saying it's, it's what you need. I'm a huge Twilight Zone fan, so there's an episode where <laughs> – that, that that's what they talk about it, it's not what you what you want it's what you need and i actually do say that a lot to the media <laughs> yes i know i know i've heard believe me i've heard i've heard it all and uh but man you in you know it's funny because like as as you know sometimes you have to you have to tell you know the media and the different reporters about certain things yet you have you are one of the most respected individuals in your field across the country. And I, and I, I know that hearing from, you know, some of the guys I get to work with on an occasional basis and it not just, you know, it's, it's all across all medium, radio, television, print, you name it. And so it's really good to get to talk to you here tonight. Um, how is your, Monday is always, you know, active for you because that's press conference day in the fall. So, Give me an example. Give me kind of the typical day in the life or day, you know, Monday in the life for John Bianco during football season. I made a rookie mistake. I left my emails open, so I'm quitting them right now so that they don't make that beeping sound on you. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I didn't have me to tell me what to do. <laughs> See? Exactly. Yeah, typical Monday now is that uh, completely different. Um, 
we spent so much of the off season working with our, our friends at Longhorn Network on figuring out how we could do a, a virtual press conference on Zoom that would actually look like a TV press conference. So uh, Monday press conferences, it kind of launches, launches the week. Um, we do Coach Herman on Mondays and players on Tuesdays and then uh, coordinators on Wednesday. So it's uh, Monday's, Monday's pretty hectic getting ready for the game week. We spend a lot of time Sunday pulling together all your notes and all your prep work and um, get ready for everything to, to roll on Monday. I'll tell you what, though, after six months of of no games, no nothing, I am really enjoying being back into a game week routine so that we need to make this last as long as possible. It's uh, it's nice to at least see people virtually, um, yeah. to talk to them that way and to, to share some of the stories of what's going on. But, uh, yeah, Monday's a pretty hectic day. Yeah, I, I – you know, I know just a little well, bit John, of it. Let's let's get this started. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Todd's not going to waste any time. He's jumping right in. <laughs> oh no! I I want to get in there and ask ask some good stuff. So, John, as as, uh, as Stu mentioned, you are, are are known nationwide as the man behind the men over the last two three decades. My thing is, I want to understand. John, where he grew up, what's a, what makes you you? So tell us a little bit about you know your your growing up and where you're from, and because I have no idea where you're from, to be honest with you. So I kind of want to know how you grew up and what's going on with you and how you got to be John Bianco for the University of Texas. Yeah, that's kind of the secret to make sure that people are talking about the the people that you're telling, encouraging them to talk about, and not not you. So it's really hard to be in. And uh, Stu, you would know this to be in this side of the this side of the camera, this business, and. Uh, uh, we're not really good at talking about ourselves, but I, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York and um, played basketball and ran track most of my life, went to college and uh, ran track in at a division three school in, in college, love sports, you know, just like you guys watched every bit of it I could, could watch and, you know, coaches became my mentors. So I, I honestly think that's one of the biggest reasons why I tend to connect with the coaches and the student athletes is that the, that they're the ones who've kind of taught me how to do the job. Uh, when I went to college, I was running in a track meet and the coach was said that it was taking forever to get results. And he was like, can you just go up in that press box and figure out why it's taking him so darn long to get, get results. So I went up, met the guy who does my job at uh, Baldwin Wallace college in um, a small school in um, Northeast Ohio. And um, that's, that was my first introduction to it. I had, you know, I'm, I wanted to find a job that I could stay in sports. I thought I might get into coaching. Well, once I figured out that, you know, professional basketball or the Olympics weren't in my future, um, I had decided that I wanted to find something to stay in sports. So uh, I had no idea this business even existed. You know, there's I grew up watching, watching stories and watching games and reading about every possible thing I could read about. Really enjoyed learning the stories behind the, the people that played sports. So finding out that there's somebody that works kind of in between that and cultivates those stories and helps pitch those to the media, it was it was really cool to discover that when I got to college. Right. You you got started. So how many siblings do you have? I've got five brothers and sisters. So I had an uh, older brother, ironically, an older brother who you, I played sports with most of my life. He was a couple of years older than me, so bigger than me most of my time growing up. So. I really had to figure out a way that I could beat him at something. So mm -hmm. that's when I kind of discovered statistics. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So if I could come with some percentages, I, I wasn't ever going to beat him. But once I once I started uh, once I started being able to catch up to him size wise, I got away from it a little bit. But we played wiffle ball, and you know I'd have the batting averages figured out, how to do on base percentage, all of the all the stats to make sure that I had something that would give me some small victory, since I wasn't going to beat him in the actual game. But uh, yeah, that he um, he probably is the one who gave me the passion for the for the uh, for figuring out a way to. Um, and it, you know, manage the numbers and and tell that side of the story. So but, you, uh, I grew up in a, a a big family. Yeah, were you strong? Were you strong in math in in high school and college? You, the, it's funny you say that because I have this conversation with my daughters all the time who hate math, and I hated math too, and I was terrible at math. I you geometry, um, any and any of the algebras, no, mm -hmm. no way. I didn't think that there was that there was any chance that I would. Um, I had zero interest in it, and then I got into this business and realized that I actually I probably could have been good at math if I actually applied myself to it but uh, uh especially if there was there were if there were um classes in statistics or classes that helped you utilize some of the things or you know a lot of times I'm sure you guys ran into it, teachers that push you away from always doing book reports or stories on sports and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff but you know expose yourself to something else and it's like now I'm going to find a career that I can do this for the rest of my life. And, and I got lucky and did. Exactly. Exactly. You, you started at UT in 1992. Uh, you were, you were an assistant SID or sports information director, excuse me. Uh, you handled track and field. You were the media coordinator for the Texas Relays. Uh, what brought you to Texas? You know, it's interesting. Um, I went to the small school and when I was there and I discovered that this is what I wanted to do. I, I still wasn't completely sure if I was going to try to be a grad assistant and go into coaching or um, get into a field that's, that is associated with coaching in some respect. So I decided I wanted, went to a, one of the, the COSIDA convention, the Sports Information Directors Convention, my senior year, the SID at Baldwin Wallace put me in his car and dragged me there. And I interviewed with it. They used to do like, it was almost like speed dating the interview sessions they had there for intern positions. So basically you get to go through, you sign up for the schools you want to do interviews with. You go through one after another, they hit you with a, a barrage of, of questions and um, you just can't kind of keep moving on and keep moving on to the next. And I met a bunch of people and realized when I went through that, I, I even though most of those people called me and told me I finished second and send me, sent me my rejection letters. Um, I that, that's kind of when I realized I wanted to do it because mm -hmm. you know I'm talking to the SID at Notre Dame and then um, Arizona Arizona State Michigan who became a lifelong friend Ohio State all the all the schools since I was from the mid Midwest that you know I, I obviously had the most interest in and uh, I got so I finished second in pretty much every job I still have the file full of about 200 letters I got rejection letters because everybody got a letter from me and a phone call from the SID I worked with and I the the one off opportunity I wanted to get into a place where I could work at the highest level you know I didn't want to be at a small school I really my goal was to um, I didn't want to be in professional sports necessarily but to be at, at as high as I could get and uh, I had an offer from a school named Longwood College which you probably have never heard of it's a division two school in Virginia but you probably have heard of Jerome Kersey, who was mm -hmm. with the Portland Trailblazers. Nice. He just had gone into the NBA, and I was like, "This is oh wow, go go work at the place that Jerome Kersey went to school at. It must be a big time place." <laughs> right. So I accepted that job, 
and I was getting ready to go there and literally, and people told me this, that it, when it rains, it pours, the offers will start coming in. Well, some, some fools turned down the, you know, $300 a month and free meal plan that they give you as an intern in, in sports information where you basically don't make anything, but you gain a ton of experience. Um, so the SID at Michigan called me and the SID at Arkansas um, offering me their positions. The Michigan one, I was going to have to wait a little bit. The Arkansas one was immediate. He asked me how soon I could be there. And I said, it's, how, how far is it? <laughs> so jumped in my car, drove down to, and so my first internship was at, at the University of Arkansas. And this is a long way to get to the, the lead that you asked. How did you end up at Texas? Well, yeah. when I was at Arkansas, that's when I discovered I mean, I knew of Texas. I didn't, you know, I went there for, and when I was at Arkansas, I, I worked at, over at the Texas Relays for that. But, um, so I got a little exposure to it, but the people at Arkansas are the ones who told me Texas is the place you have to work. They didn't tell me that, but their actions did. They beat Texas in football that year. And I mean, they basically shut down the city for a couple of days. Their, their hatred of Texas showed me that this has got to be, there's got to be something extra special about this place. So it became like one of the five schools that I kind of said, if I ever have a chance to work at, at, at Texas, that's, that's, that's a, you know, it was Texas, Texas, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio state were probably the four schools. I kind of always thought um, I'd love to end up at, after I worked at Arkansas, I like to say after I served my 10 month sentence and they let me off on good behavior. because. <laughs> 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 that was a life change. That was a life changing moment. So I went from Arkansas, worked at Fresno State for a year as an intern, and then got my first full time job at the University of Cincinnati, where I was for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I was working with basketball and football at Cincinnati. And then basically the bottom rung job at, at Texas came open. And I heard about it and reached out. And I basically had everybody I know bombarding Bill Little and Dave Saba, who was here at the time, um, to get my foot in the door so I could so I could uh, start from the bottom. Even I felt like I'd worked my way up a little bit, but I was I, I didn't care. I was willing to I could you I, I didn't care if you wanted me to just make copies in the press box if I had a chance to show the people at the University of Texas what I could do. I, I knew it was a kind of place I wanted to be at. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's pretty awesome that you, you, you know, you came in. And so 92, when you came aboard, that was my senior year in football. Right. So the fall of 92 was my senior year. And yep. then, of course, I graduated the next year. So I didn't get although you started when I was there. I didn't want really to get to do much with you. But uh, in the last few years, you've been the University of Texas. You, have, like I said, been the man behind the curtain. And you what, what do you say about all the student athletes you've had come through during your tenure? I mean, that's pretty awesome group of folks that you've had a hand to touch and, and, you know, direct, because a lot of those guys see you as a, you know, a, a guider guidance counselor, sort of speak in life as well. It's not just the media. It's not just, Oh, the coaches this, but it's, it's really you and how you, you know, interact with them with the media, things like that. So give me a perspective on that. 
Yeah, actually, it's it, it, that's a, one. I think one of the reasons I got in the business is because my both of my parents were educators. So I grew up around a family of teachers, even though school wasn't a my top priority. I didn't do as well as I probably should have, which was weird with the parents that are teachers. But I did learn how important it is to listen to people and to play a role and have an impact in their life. I watched what they did with with students and what they did raising a larger family. So I think that's that that played a big role in, in me wanting to have when I got in this business and why I would want to be work at a college level. And I really have never pursued working at any, in any pro sports because I like having an impact on their lives. And it's so much fun watching them grow up. It's so much fun watching a guy who comes in. I, my, one of my favorite stories is when I made Colt McCoy do his first interview and it was after his red shirt year and he's in the a battle for the quarterback job. We didn't, it was in, um, I, I convinced Coach Brown to go against his rule because he had, he hadn't played in a game yet. But I was like, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. We got to put. Um, it was Jevin Sneed and Cole. Right. And uh, I remember was, that. I remember that that whole scenario. That's pretty cool. Cole sits down for the interview, and you've seen it, Todd. And almost you've seen it too. They mm-hmm. they the huddle comes around him, and it's you know we gave him space, so we had to set up like a press conference mm-hmm. setting, but um but more of a huddle than a, a setting and the right. camera lights beam on. He, he's stammering and nervous and up to, and we talked a lot about it beforehand. He was, he was ready for it, but not ready for it. Cause he had no idea. The guy was, yeah, he, you, you can never be ready for that kind of stuff. man. <laughs> he walked off of the, off of the, he stood up off the stool and he looked at me and he said, that was fun, Mr. Bianco, but I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember looking oh. at him and saying, first of all, I'm John, I'm not Mr. Bianco, but you're going to do this a lot because uh-huh. I think your goal is to be the starting quarterback at Texas. And um, so this is going to be part of part of your life. And to think that he went from and he went from that to what to the guy who walked in by his senior year into press conferences and and said, hey, remember what I told you Saturday? Remind me of those five or six points And he sit down and like just you know, bridge to everything he, he wanted to share and wanted the media and the fans to know about. I mean, I don't, as good as I've ever been around it at taking in information and, and sharing it and making sure that everybody really knew and saw what was going on. But uh, that the look on his face of terror after his, his first, his first media availability was priceless. Well, he, you probably figure out that he probably had more people around him during that media availability than live in his hometown. So I can I can understand that completely. So, um, tell me about the first time you met Bill Little because Bill Little is you know he's he's the legend he's the master he has he has forgotten more about sports information than any of us will ever know. But tell me about that first encounter. Yeah, the the, the thing that and the thing you could tell from Bill from the get go, um, just that he the reason he was so good at the business is because he listened and learned and heard stories and when when I came in even just for the job interview for basically an entry-level job here how much he cared about my background about me what was important to me how I would fit and I you don't realize he's 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 quizzing you to see how you're gonna how well you're gonna work with the the student athletes and the coaches and are you gonna take the time to to really care and get to know them. And do you fit? Because the one thing about the, the University of Texas is that our standard when it comes to um, communications and working with student athletes is 
we like to think it's as high as anywhere. And that's because we really care about them. We want to see them grow and mature. We want to play a, a, a big part of their, the, their college experience. So um, I just remember him asking me stories and I'm looking at him and thinking like, yeah, I, I want to hear your stories, <laughs> but uh, he, it didn't take long. He started sharing them after, after, after a little bit, but uh, the thing that, the thing that he was so good at and um, I hadn't been exposed to mainly because of the places I'd worked. And then I was at a small school for most of the time before that, but just the way he connected with people and the host, the Texas hospitality and how to do things right and how to show people you care and show people they're, they're important. And, um, you know, the, the PR side of things, I, I could never um, repay him for the lessons I learned from him. I mean, I still talk to him probably every other day. Absolutely. So, uh, if there's anything comes up, I'm going to reach back and ask him, ask him his, his thoughts on it. But the, the, the whole, the, the whole setup at the, the way he did, the way he did business and the opportunity he provided was, I mean, awesome. I, I came in to do swimming and track and field in the Texas relays and to help out with football. But as soon as I was able to show where I could bring some, some value to helping out with football, he gave me every opportunity to be involved and, you know, when we take the media out for dinners and things, he'd let me come along so I could start meeting some of those people. And uh, he was terrific. He is. He's well, at, well, he's speaking fantastic. of, uh, I was going to say, speaking of, um, you know, situations, you've been with Makovic, Mac, uh, uh, Mac um, you know, Charlie Strong, Strong, and now, and now with Herman. Now Tom Herman. Right. Yeah. All four, different coaches, different coaching styles right? Different mannerisms. So I want you to kind of give us a collective of a little bit about each one of those things you've learned from each one of those coaches along the way that's kind of made you, you know, form to who John Bianco is today. It's it. Um, Makovic's deaf. There's no question with, uh, and, and he's another one I stay in touch with. I, I mean, it, he, I appreciated everything that, that he did for me and really gave me the first opportunity to work directly day to day with football. But um, I remember coming to coming to him and talking to him about a couple of requests we had that I probably shouldn't have even brought to him. And, uh, and I was worried about how I was going to tell this person no, and he and he looked me square in the face and was like, be firm and fair, you just always need to be firm and fair in everything you do don't, if you don't, if you don't get outside the lines on that, and you're consistent with how you do things, you'll always be respected. And it's, it's funny. I, th that, I, I think that all the time when I'm responding to, to questions or um, requests that people have and things like that, just make sure that you're firm and fair. So I, and I have Makovic's voice in my head saying it too. So it's like be firm and fair. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that voice. Uh, that voice is kind of crazy. Yes. Yes. And he's, but uh, you know, he was, he was good because he was, He's, technologically he was ahead of his time when it when it came to how he wanted to run things and wanted to be you know he was huge on expanding the the how we handled the media guide and ex, the photos we used to make sure that we captured everything this is history this is important there was a side of him that a lot of people didn't really get to see because he didn't let them all the time see it but uh also remember when he was going through some of his tougher times and when things weren't going well in 97 and I'm an, I'm 20, 
eight probably at that time, 27, 28. So I'm, you know, stubborn. I'm going down with the ship kind of an attitude that you have because you get to know a person. Mm -hmm. You know, Todd, if somebody's getting after you, I'm going to take up for you. Right, and, exactly. I totally understand that. He called me in and he was, he said, he said, John, I appreciate all of your support. You're great. Keep doing what you're doing, but make sure you make sure you take care of yourself. Don't do anything that puts yourself in a bad spot. And to think that he had the wherewithal and also the, you know, that he first, they could let his ego down to say that to somebody who was essentially going to stand in front of a bullet for him. Um, not that it changed how I, how I did things and I wasn't being rude to people or anything, but it did make me, you know, it did make me make sure I was, I was thinking through every situation and, and figuring out the best way to present him and to present the university and um, work, work together to, you know, to handle a very trying situation that, because that year was one with, especially when you have a Heisman trophy candidate, who's, if you remember, was saying that he wasn't yep. going to come back if Makovic was, didn't come back. So it was, it was, a, it was an interesting time. That was crazy to hear that from 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 Ricky. That was that was kind of nuts. But you yeah. know, then you then you have okay, he leaves. Now you got Mac Brown, totally different personality. Yes. How, yeah. how did that change? How'd that make a change for you? I think I think with I think with Mac, it's just this his uh his people skills and the way he the the way he treated everyone from the you know no matter what you could. It, no matter what you could do for it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you could do something or you couldn't, he was going to treat everybody um, fairly. And he also really re understood and respected the power of the brand and, you know, bringing coach Royal back in. And I, for my first few years at Texas, I was around him a little bit, but just being, at, being around him more because, you know, Mac brought him back into the fold and just hearing the stories and um, you know, all the wisdom that, that coach Royal was sharing with Mac. A lot of times I was standing right there absorbing it too. And it was funny because as, as Mac was saying, he'd, he'd been, he'd been dipped in vaccine. He, he's not from Texas. So he got here as quick as he could. And then you've been dipped in vaccinated nine times out of 10. If I was in the room too, he was nudging me too. He's like, you too, New Yorker. Uh, <laughs> that's that's like, right. Cause they're rolling, man. You're, you're among royalty right there. Yeah. Dale Royal and Mac Brown. And they're telling you all these stories about history, the past, you know, I've only been in, in a couple of situations with Mac Brown over the last few years when he was here, but man, that, I, I really enjoyed the time I spent with him the short time. I yeah. even had a conversation with his wife, but but yeah, he is. Uh, I think he's one of the best that ever you know came through. I mean, besides Royal, but yeah, he's one of the best coaches overall. I just love the, this guy. Right. You know, well, never I, played for him, but love everything about him. And we're seeing it now with with him at North Carolina. You know, it's it's he's showing what what we all knew those sixteen years. Yeah, and the great the great thing the, the greatest thing about Mac is just the you know the the relationships he built with his players. I mean, they would do anything um totally respected him and the, the the speech and the speech he made in the locker room after that championship game that's been you know talked about forever is is so him i mean that to in that moment for somebody to grasp it to the level he did and and to share something that you know is impacting those guys lives to today don't make this you know the best day of your life um you know you're gonna your kids you're gonna get married you're gonna do things after football. This is a really special moment, but don't make it the best day of your life. And uh, even though it's the best day of life from all those guys, it's one of the best they get to say. That's but uh, he he just had a he had such a way of 
connecting with people and I've never worked. Um, I mean, he's, there's, there's nobody out. He's the first person I'll call anytime I'm in a situation where I've got a question or just want to bounce something off of somebody. And, uh, but there's, there's, there's nobody who would, who will take up for you, support you, have your back more, but that makes it, people would always say that he must've been the easiest guy in the world to work for. Well, the easiest guy in the world to work for is the guy that you don't really like working for. <laughs> when you Wait, really love why, and, do you, why do you say that? <laughs> one of the, when you really love and respect somebody, every, you, you, uh, every waking moment of my day, I wanted to make sure that I did. I pleased him. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that I was helping you know, what do you, what have you done for Texas football today? I'm going to be thinking about that every second because that's what, you know, Max thinking about. And, um, he, he, he really, really appreciated the value of, um, public relations and communications. And, and, um, it's funny when you said it earlier on, Stu, that the, our role sometimes gets some places it gets, um, perceived in a different way, or that they think of you as like the stat guy or the news guy or the notes guy. But if you if you're working with a coach that really gives you the opportunity and you're and you're working closely with the kids and the team, uh, there's there's nothing like the value that the role that you can play. And he just he allowed me to, you know, to spread my wings, so to speak, and really be involved in everything and um, asked, you know, asked my opinion and thoughts on things that were you know far beyond just media relations things we built built an unbelievable relationship he is just a yeah he is an, an awesome human being and but that's that, that Todd, that's what i'm saying it's like yeah. there's somebody that you you don't have a that you don't have a ton of respect for like they, they say in in you know with the that the best leaders are those that you follow because you you know they could do it just as well as you could do it but you also believe in everything they're doing and saying and um the ones that you that have positional power that are you're just following because that's their their job to tell you what to do and you better do what you're supposed to do that's it's true. not it's not quite the same but mac was the the type that you just you, you it, it wouldn't there wasn't going to be anything that you wouldn't want to do to help make things better to help the program be better makes sense. And then sense. you have strong come on to the place right so and then you got patterson so the last dodge was the first few years we're here Right. Then you have Patterson come in, then you have Strong come in. That's like a whirlwind tornado situation, I thought personally. But so give me so you got you talk about Mac now. Are you gonna I want you to talk about Strong a little bit and I'm gonna come back to the ADs, right? Because that's a whole different ball game, but we'll come back to them in a second. But yeah, so you got Mac is leaving, Strong's coming. How tough was that? That that was that was a tough that's a tough transition just because of how um difficult it was in the stretch run for Mac. Yeah. And uh, you want to make sure that the person that comes in understands what Mac is built here. And, you know, so many people want to say that they're going to change this or change that or fix this or talk about how bad it was. And it's like, you know, we went through, we had some, some tough, tough years, tough times, not really tough years, but tough times and, and games and things. But uh, uh, Charlie was great. I mean, he came in and he had, a, he had so much respect for, mac and the mm -hmm. program and um i really think that the uh the the thing with him is it just was you know he did the timing just wasn't right i loved working with him he was a you know 
great person. Team really respected him. Um, he cared deeply about the program and about the, the people and uh, grew a lot in the position. I mean, I know he even feels like today that he, he doesn't regret having come to Texas because right. he grew as a, as a person and a, and a coach. And um, like the kids – the kids just absolutely loved playing from. I don't know why. You know, it's one of those ones you look back at. I, I can't pinpoint why it, right. it, it didn't work. John, would you say that it was, it might, there might have been a small case of kind of the old saying, you never follow Sinatra, you follow the guy <laughs> that followed Sinatra? Yeah. Would yeah. That, no, would that be kind of accurate? Yes. There's definitely, a, that, that is not the, that's, you don't want to replace Mac Brown and you don't want to replace him in the, the way it kind of ended with mm -hmm. them where it's you know there's there's some bitterness and some struggles but uh yeah there's there's no question that was difficult it was weird because of so many of those games and situations um and he had a few of them that that turned out positive but for the most part is like everything that we you know we turned to goal we had a notes a note package filled with all kinds of come from behind victories, fourth quarter comebacks, uh, you know, great quarterback play. And uh, we just didn't, we didn't get it consistently for a few years there. And um, not going to win if it's like that. That's true. That's very true. And then you have, you know, that, that short lived, what, three years, I think it was with strong. Mm -hmm. And then Herman comes in. So that's Herman's. I thought you would like Herman because we'd like Herman more because, you know, he's kind of like Mike Brown, a little bit different. But kind of like Mike Brown, you know, the team and how he pushes people. Am I correct in that? Yes. And very, you know, the one thing that uh, because Mac can be Mac so friendly and uh, says all the right things and things. But the one thing that those two have in common is they're very direct. Like they, they there's nothing like working for somebody that you always know where you're going to stand and they're going to shoot straight with you. And it's there's not going to be any gray area. You know, you, you can talk very honestly and directly with them. But I that's when I kind of realized that I was officially old though, when Tom came back, because he was, he was, a, he was the <laughs> right. GA right. in right. 99 and 2000. Yeah. And um, I, I, I remembered, you know, the, the GAs are, you get to know them a little bit, but you're not around them enough that you usually get to spend enough, enough time with them. And I just remember when he got hired, we, we stayed in some kind of touch, but I was like, well, thankfully, I must not have, I must not have irritated him at any point because he was he was happy to see me. But I kept just kept elbowing him that first couple of days and being like, "Can you believe this?" I, I still remember Coach Royal telling uh, um, uh, I want to make sure I remember the story right. Telling, and fortunately, we're on we're on the internet, so we can I can say it the right way too. When he was telling um, <laughs> Coach Brown about uh, uh, what the difference between a fairy tale and a and a Texas fairy tale is a um a fairy tale starts with um once upon a time and a texas fairy tale starts with you ain't gonna believe this shit brother <laughs> <laughs> that's good yes exactly so oh, i that's elbowing exactly tom and being like i all i can think of is is i'm looking at you and coach royal had passed so it's like i could it all I can think of is Coach Roy would be saying, looking at me saying, you ain't going to believe this yeah, shit, brother. Right. The GA is the head coach. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's crazy. I do remember how intense he was, though, when he was a GA on the staff and the fact that he 
you know, he's coming from this small school as a GA that he wasn't afraid to, to speak up and whether they agreed with him or not, Greg, Greg Davis would have to calm him down sometimes, <laughs> but right. um, he was so passionate about, about football. It's, it, it, that's a cool, just such a cool story. Yeah. I mean, a guy who you know, virtually cuts his teeth at a place, getting the opportunity to be the head coach. Right. Well, and that, that's another similarity because Mac in his younger days was very intense. And, you yes. know, he, he talks, he talks a lot like when he was at Tulane and, and other places, he was very intense. He would, he would blow up, and he had to learn how to kind of mellow out some by the time he came to Texas. So, uh. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, talk for a second about the, two, the, the decade of the 2000s because, you know, I, you know, Texas has such a rich history. But you look at that 10 years with everything that athletics accomplished between the national championships, football, basketball, the Final Four, the all the stuff that happened in all the Olympic sports, you'd be hard-pressed to find a school that could string 10 years together like Texas did. What was it like to be in your position during that time? Oh, boy, amazing. I mean, it's it's – you you now now I'm now I'm I'm chasing the holy grail because you got I gotta have another one of those runs before I'm mm-hmm. gone. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I I kind of it's funny because I remember being at a an, one of our senior staff uh, retreats with with the loss back in the I guess at that time it would have been the mid to late nineties and there you know we had across the board in some sports we had some coaches that were getting older they were going to retire and then um right, we were just having the transition to augie rick and mac and and him and we were talking about that how are we going to embrace this what do we do how do we um how do we really magnify the exposure of of these these new guys and i mean thinking back to that and what those three accomplished at our place in the in the 2000s it's you know (laughs) we, we just needed a fourth for the four horsemen but they were they were um I mean that that run and the players and the the, the kids coming through in all those sports. Mm-hmm. It's fun fun for me now too because uh, uh, speaking of Bill, he when he um, he got me on the hall, the Hall of Honor Vintage Committee in the I want to say it was like two after the championship run or or something about that time, and uh, I've really enjoyed that because that's where you uh, work with selecting the the vintage honorees, which Todd's almost vintage at this point in his life. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not an All-American, so I'll never get those honors. <laughs> but the uh, um, but being a part of that, and now we're at the point where I'm in the in those committee meetings, and we're talking about the they're talking about the ballot. Each sport has their their spokesperson, and there's some people on sports that even look at me now sometimes and wink, like, should we think about so and so? And I'm like, so many of those guys now are on the ballot from that mm-hmm. 2000 era. And I kept saying it as we were, people were getting put on and uh, voted on and things like that. It's like, you better, you better be ready to hang on. Cause from 2000 to 2010, um, 
we're going to fall behind. <laughs> we can't possibly right. put all, I mean, when you think of the swimming Olympians, the track mm-hmm. Olympians, the um, football, baseball, basketball, you know, it's, it's crazy. It, it was, that era was amazing. Yeah. It's, it was kind of like, kind of like that wide receiver glut that there used to be for the pro football hall of fame, that you had so many wide receivers that were eligible. It was so hard to try to get, any of them in because they'd all cancel each other out. And then finally a couple of them got in and they finally kind of broke that, broke that seal and, and was able to get some in. And I got to imagine that's going to be the same way with between, you know, the, the football alone, you look at all the, all the individual awards that football uh, w- got during that decade between the, the, the Walter camps and, and the Nagurskis and, the Maxwells and everything. I, it's just it's it's hard to imagine. Like I said, it's hard to imagine any school with a string like that, a ten year run as as incredible as that. Yeah, that that and that's for when you mentioned the um, individual awards. That's probably even the guys who uh, the the being a finalist is such a huge honor. I I that's 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 kind of like the pinnacle in our business of it's so cool um going on those the trips with the guys when they're a finalist for those awards and being around them when you're because you you obviously win the award on the on the field but you're how you handle yourself off the field how you handle yourself in the media how you handle yourself around those awards committee people that will come for visits and things like that is such a huge piece of it and you you know that's something from the day they arrive on campus that you're preparing them for because of the media exposure they get here because of the conversations you're having with them and um, understanding the importance of an award they might be up for, but that's definitely one of the, one of the coolest things. And we, we really did a great job with our, every time a guy was a finalist for an award, I still remember having the conversations with guys in the, just after your, your stage, Todd, you know, the 95s, the Pat Fitzgeralds and James Browns and yep. Dan Neals, all those guys, the Walter Camp Award does an All-American team. And, you know, you're training for the NFL, so you don't really want to go to the All-American event necessarily, or you might not have time for it. And just really pressing those guys to understand the value of it because you're paying it forward. You're, you're building relationships with these committees. And when you're around them, don't forget to tell them about you know, Leonard Davis and Mike Williams. Don't forget to tell them about the next group of guys that you know. And uh, those guys all did such a great job. And when we, when you think about not only the team honors, but the individual awards we, we got in 2000, throughout the 2000s, like Aaron Ross was on, was on no one's radar for an All-American in 2006. I mean, barely, they knew who he was. He's a good player. But Michael Huff won the Thorpe in 2005 and told, anybody that would listen that you better look at Michael Griffin and, and Aaron Ross. We got two guys you're going to be battling for, for these national awards next year. So it's really cool when they, when you f- see that kind of a, that kind of a buy-in and support from, from them and understanding of the, of the, of the greater good, but 2000, it's just, you know, TJ Ford, the national mm-hmm. players of the years we had in baseball and basketball and Olympians. It was, it's quite a run. You're one of the few people that I know has ever gone, to, you know, to all the award ceremonies. So you were in New York when they did the Heisman. Is it in New York, right? Yep. Yeah. So you, how many times you've gone twice now, right? Because you did with Colt McCoy and Ricky Williams. Four times. Oh, uh, oh, that's right. Um, and Vince. Twice with Colt. That Colt. He should have won in 2008. 
Yes. Probably yep. should have went in 2009. Uh, Vince, Vince in 2005. And then mm-hmm. when, when Ricky won it, I'll tell you what, that, that, to that 1998 will forever be, you know, one of those years where when you think about everything involved in that year with Mac's first year and the mm-hmm. role that Ricky played in, in helping launch us in the recruiting game and across the board. But that, that was the most stressful year of my life because Ricky Williams came to Texas and he wanted to win the Heisman Trophy. It was a clear goal. I mean, it's the email address was Heisman at, at um, utexas.edu. So, um, he talked about it a lot. And it used that was a cool era of the Heisman where um, you had to, you had to have, have it, there was a buildup to it. You couldn't show up as a freshman or sophomore and win the Heisman back then. It was like, here's how you do it. Here's the, here's the game plan, Ricky. Let's just consistently um, make sure you get exposure, tell tell the stories, let people get to know who you are and everything. So working with him on, on Heisman campaign stuff was so, so much, so much fun. But that, that year when he decided, when he decides to come back for his senior year and, you know, obviously getting us back on the winning track as a team is a huge part of it, but also, you know, the hopes of, you know, winning the Heisman trophy uh, every time he took a snap and got tackled, I'm watching it, watching like I'm his, like his dad, get up. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> I don't know if you all remember. Uh, there was a game then when, when a Baylor defensive tackle literally stepped on his leg on purpose and he hobbled off the field and the fans were all the stadium just went dead silent. Oh, I was there. I was there. Remember that? And then he ran back out because, and I, I mean, I don't normally, I stay up in the press box usually at halftime because I'll be working with the TV crews and things, but I went down because I was like, I gotta see what's wrong. If this guy broke his leg, I'm going home. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he, he didn't <laughs> he had a big gash on it, but when he remember when he charged back on the field and the stadium went nuts, um, that was, that was such a cool moment. But I remember that just, you know, knowing that, uh, how important that was to him and the, the opportunity he had that it, it just, it was, it was, it was, it was a joy watching, but it was really hard to watch. It he was won the, pretty cool. I really think he wanted, he won over half the voters uh, when he, when he set through a uh, probably 30 minutes of interviews after running for 37 yards against Kansas state, when they, mm-hmm. you know, they stacked 11 guys in the box yeah. and basically a major throw deep balls and we and we got beat pretty bad up there but um that how how he responded to that and we had a talk in the locker room before he went out and talked to the media and um him understanding why he needed to do it and just how he handled it uh at the end of the day that was that's when things you know he had to come back and it didn't hurt back to back 300 yard games and and (laughs) well not at all and he broke after that and he broke uh, the rushing record the ncaa rushing record Tony Dorsett was on site that day. I remember. I, yeah, in fact, I remember August. seeing Coach Royal the day after, and we were talking about that. And he's going, "I'm getting too old for games like that." So <laughs> it was just, it was just one of those things. He was happy, but man, his 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 heart was in his throat that day too. So I, I totally. Get you remember that. the story uh, when we're, the all-purpose yardage record was the one that Ricky used to joke with Mac about. Yes. That was was going to break it and Mac was like, no. And he was going to say, yeah, let me return a kick in the last game. And then when he got over 200 and even had broken the all-purpose yardage record too, he yes. literally went up and slapped Mac on the butt. And he was like, I'm not going to need that kick, coach. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, there, and then and then there was the thing about he used – so 
Bucky Godbolt tells me this, tells us this all the time about how he didn't let Ricky get a thousand yards his freshman year, and Ricky let him know that every he's let him know that every year since then. He still reminds him today he could have had a thousand yards as a freshman running back if it wasn't for Bucky. So I and I, and I cuss Bucky about that too. So we we told him. They didn't want to. They didn't want to hear us tell them that that he's he's closing in on a on a thousand. They don't. You don't. When you tap on the on the offensive coordinator's door and tell them that, and yeah. you're in a close game. I think yeah, it was sixteen seven, maybe at A and M. I think it was. It was pretty close. Right. The last thing they were going to do was do one more toss sweep to try to get him to a thousand. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's pretty cool. I honestly think it's pretty cool. And I've told Bucky this. It's really cool that he ran for. 990 and didn't run for a thousand because it's a truly authentic 990 yards it's like that's true if we had faked it and you and you know you padded it to get to him a thousand um it would have changed it a little bit outcome yeah. i thought too all right so let's get back to the ad's because this is kind of what i wanted to hear so you have the lost dogs the man the myth for how many decades right and then you know he's gone replaced by patterson right and then then I forgot the gentleman who was after that, who was uh, Mike, 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 Mike. Okay. So that's three different worlds. Right. And now you have Chris, right. Love Chris to death, by the way. Um, I, I can't, can't wait to spend more time talking to him down the road when he has more time, but all right, you got all these three, these four gentlemen. So let's start with, with working with the loss. Cause I had a chance to go talk to the loss in his office on more than one occasion about different stuff, student athlete stuff and former athlete stuff. Um, so I love him to death. And then <clears throat> I never really had a chance to really talk to Patterson a lot, a couple of times, but it wasn't the same. Right. And then of course you had uh, the gentleman Mike came in. I did, I didn't talk to Mike very much. Saw him a couple of times, had a couple of conversations, but nothing intimate or crazy. And then of course, now you have Chris. So, uh, so talk a little bit about that whole, you know, working for each one of those guys and, and what they, they taught you and or didn't learn or did learn. Yes. No, DeLoss is, DeLoss I, DeLoss, I learned a lifelong lesson on the first day I met him because he he was big on anybody that they hired at in the athletic department. He needed to meet them before they they hired him. So I was doing my interview with DeLoss and, and, he, and he said, I've heard great things about you. I mean, you, you come from great places. We know you're really, really talented. You're bright. You're going to be able to help us a, a ton here. One piece of advice. This is a big place. There's a there's a there's a lot of dynamics at play, history, tradition. Sit back for a year and listen, and and then tell you what tell us what you think. It's like you'll have a ton of ideas. We don't need to hear them until after you've spent a year understanding everything. And I tell virtually everybody I hired that that same story um, because nice. it is it's a it's there's there's so many dynamics at play and you there's so many people that are are talented and really good at their jobs that it's important to not just start speaking up until you really really understand it so i always think about that too and and then the power of your words when you you know you think you're you think you're really important because you got this long run on your chest but when you say something and you're representing the university of texas you better have thought through every way you're saying it, when you're saying it, how you're saying it, where you're saying it. So you'd be in like uh, NCAA basketball committee meetings or, you know, big 12 meetings or anything like that. And, and I can, you guys are old like me, so you'll, you'll know the reference, but DeLoss was like EF Hutton, 
you literally would sit through a meeting and people would be talking and they'd be talking about topics and issues and how we handle this, how we handle that. And you know that he's, he has, he has a thought. And then all of a sudden they'd get to the point where they really knew there needed to be a decision made and they would turn to him and he'd have much like coach Royal was known for. He will have compartmentalized everything, gathered all the facts and very sensibly and very clearly told you what we should do and moved along that when you think about those uh augie rick and that aaron mac that we, we talked about earlier having to loss is their sounding board and their leader and how he how he had he advised him in a very um uh unintentional what well, no intentionally unintentional way where it's like they he didn't force things upon them. He let them in a lot of ways make their own decisions, but he was influencing decisions because he knew what was best. Um, but there's that he is like the godfather. There's there is, I mean, I can't even imagine. Like I came into the when I came to Texas and I'm in my mid-20s, the opportunity of of being exposed to I mean, how how fortunate was I? They were like, why don't you go down there and just work for maybe the best athletic director in the in the history of college athletics and just watch <laughs> what he does and see if you right. can get good at see if you can get good at something. <laughs> Absolutely. So he he was uh he was he was tremendous and and to this day he's a, he's like Mac. He's you know he's, yeah. If I have it, anything I really need to bounce off somebody, he's gonna he's gonna be, he's gonna have a great solution for it. And it's funny because I, I I think the only reason I bring this up is it's like I went from um working at a place at the University of Cincinnati where I was working with basketball and working with um with Bob Huggins, who was great to work with. But it was like high and low emotions. Like he was very, very high at times and then very, very low and um great to work with. So like he would be on the court literally tearing his team up and down. If you went to, there was nothing like going to watch a Bob Huggins basketball practice because it was the most intense thing ever. You were you felt like you needed to take a deep breath when you walked out, but he would walk off the court and I'd be with the media and get the media ready for post-practice interviews. And he would walk over after basically having a shouting match or throwing, you know, one of his guys throwing his Jersey at him, Nick Van Exel quitting the team, something crazy and walk over and just be like, Hey, what do you guys need? Like knew how to turn it on and turn it off. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so that, that was kind of, what I was exposed to and then come to Texas and DeLoss is just like, he's always just always be never too high, never be never, never too low. And um, that's one thing I really learned from him is to, to control your emotions and to be consistent and just never too high or never too low. And, and, and my business, that's really hard because when you're dealing with a whole lot of that, when you think about the beat group that we have and the, you know, the, um, there's nobody that has, you know, four of the top 20 largest cities covering them on a daily basis and the national exposure and the, the standards that we have and everything. So you really cannot, you can't let your emotions get too high or too low in, in, in any situation. So that's, the, that's the other thing with the loss is just like being even keel. Well, for me, Patterson got my, my, my blood boiling. So, you know, I met him, like I said, the first time I actually met him in person was down at the bowl game in San Antonio. Cause at that time I was president of Texas, Texas chapter so um anyway so you transfer from even kill and you got patterson coming in here so kind of talk about that transition and kind of you know 
work with Patterson versus, you know, Delos, of course. That was um, the, the hardest part about that was that that transition was tumultuous from the get go because he was the one in the seat when, you know, when the when the Mac Brown stuff was going down. Mm -hmm. So um, that piece of it was un uncomfortable from the start. But uh, yeah, he was he, he was. He definitely, if, if there was an opposite of this, <laughs> he was much more of a, much more of a roller coaster. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he never heard the, the lost Dodds advice of well, sit back and listen for a year and then tell people what you think. No, no he didn't. No, no, he didn't. So. He, he, his philosophy was to tell people what they should think and then they should listen to him for a year. To him for a year. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was a that was um, yeah, that was an interesting uh, stretch of time. But and then you have Mike come in because Mike's just like a good old Texas football boy, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's going to tell you like it is to a degree, but he's going to be kind of be you know nice about it. Yeah. Right? The thing about Mike is he's, I mean, like successful lawyer, so he's really smart at at thinking through through every angle of. Mm -hmm things and ha having been a part of like uh, some committees and things on campus and working with the athletic department, he was very familiar with it. So he just soothed a lot of, you know, everybody was on edge when yeah. he came in. Well, I wasn't there when he came in yet. I wasn't back yet. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I was going to say, I, I knew there was the, there was that the infamous break in there. And I yeah. remember it vividly because when the news came out. There was no out, break. John has always been John. I just no break. No, nope. my mind anyway. Well, okay, but but officially there was a break, and I remember it vividly because when it happened, when the news broke, and this is where I got where this is where I was getting at with kind of the the respect that you have, John. It Twitter exploded, and it was all guys like me. It was guy. It was you know. It was the you know whether it was you know somebody. It was whether it was Kirk and said at the go at the Statesman, or it was my guys at the horn or the zone or it was the local TV guys or if it was, say, you know, uh, uh, Reese Davis and the guys at ESPN, to a man, every one of them called out Patterson saying, dude, you made a huge mistake by letting John go. And and then when when you Mike brought you back, right? Right. Okay, so yeah. that was like, it was like, it was like righting a wrong. And, and, uh, you, and I'd known a little bit of it, you know, not being in the every day there, I knew a little bit of it, you know, hearing whatever, but that's when I realized it was, it was when I realized how much of an impact the right person in your position can make because of the respect and the admiration that was shown to you by by those guys by by the people that I get to I get to hang out with on, on occasion. So, um, you know, by the way, you know, I mean, we we have much more uh, volatile ways of describing Patterson's era. There 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 are the conspiracy theories that say he was brought in to do the hatchet job and then leave. Whether that's true or not, I sure why not, but. Um, it was a, it was a dark day, but you're right. When, when Mike Perrin, you know, assumed the interim role there, he was one of, he's, he's one of coach Royals players. He knew the culture. He knew 
the the feathers that had to be smoothed. So I totally get that. And now the transition into Chris Del Conte, who is you know, who's been just fantastic. I can I can you know I can I can imagine what it's like to work with someone with that kind of energy and that kind of passion uh, for the for the on the good side rather than yeah. rather than others. Yeah, the uh, that that one when the that what happened with the during the Patterson time, which I never quite understood, never really had a conversation with him about it, but um, it it did remind me a lot of discussions with with Mac and with uh, DeLoss and just because the 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 thing I the way I carry myself in in what I do is that it's not obviously not about me. My job is to put everybody in in the best light possible, so. Um, I've always tried to be consistent and, and helpful and gone above and beyond anytime I, I can when it comes to working with, with media. So that it's one of those things where you're like a lot of times, especially men, we don't tell each other how much we care about each other or respect what we do. And it was, I, I, I most of the time we didn't have conversations like that. So there's so many people reaching out and support being supportive. I, John Makovic was one of the first people who mm -hmm. called me and, and, and encouraged me that, you know, it's going to be okay. And to hang in there and, and, uh, you know, there was a couple of job opportunities that came up that I thought about moving out of Austin, but you know, my family and my wife, and we all loved it here. So we didn't want to leave and necessarily. And, and Delos told me one day, he was like, I, you know, I don't know if I would get rid of all that orange stuff just yet. And I never knew what he meant until, 5 a.m. the day that Mike Perrin got hired and he, my phone rang at 5 a.m. I still remember that. It was like, Mike must have been a farmer back in the day. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably right. I, answer. <laughs> I was like, I don't get these. I'm, I'm not working in Texas now. I don't get the 5 a.m. calls anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but he, he called that. For, we talked the first day he did the press conference and, you know, he was like, I want to, you know, I want you to come back. I want to talk to you about coming back and I want to, want to meet with you. So, um, he reached out pretty quickly and we, and I really, um, I appreciate him for that. I, it's, um, and he, listen, you, you should have never been gone. Bottom line is you should have never been gone. The guy's an asshole. And I'm, <laughs> I just want to say that publicly because I don't like him and you can Very take that to do. the man. I don't care if he knows me. It doesn't, I don't mean anything to him. I, and he means nothing to me. Right. Yeah. So now you have the man. Chris. Can I give you media training on that? <laughs> no hey i'm too old to be media trained i'm kidding i've been trying i've been trying to put put pointers towards him all this time and he doesn't listen so, you know. hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> so we got Chris. Yeah. We, Chris is awesome. I got to tell you, I, I, I love talking to him. You know, he's a good, just down to earth kind of guy. You know, I love it. Yeah, so he is. He is. And the uh, the great thing is, you know, his familiarity with DeLoss and the place and having been at Rice and TCU to be watching from afar and and understanding this place and he takes the time to listen to people and hear hear their thoughts but the thing that that he does 
that again takes me back to Delos that makes him so special is he genuinely cares about the student athletes every decision he makes is based on is it good for the student athletes and the relationships he builds with them and the effort he takes to be it if, if he's in town and we're playing any sport he's going to be there and he's going to make sure that he sees the kids after the game and he's going to make sure that he you know embraces the embraces them supports them um yeah the, the thing that that's there's the one biggest thing he and delos have in common is their their people skills and their and the relationships that they build with the the student athletes and coaches um he's clearly proven to be a really good head coach hire at this point with the ones he's brought in i mean we've you know what edric floreal's done in track and field is tremendous and um the transition we had in tennis worked out really well in a very difficult situation um, Vic Schaefer is going to do great things for women's hoops uh he's just he, he he's he that's another thing he has in common with the losses when he sets his mind on something he's going to go get it done so um if he has those situations he's going to go hire great people and allow those people to hire great coaches so that you know the, the students athletes have everything they need but man he is a funny dude <laughs> and I, I I I love it because I'm a I'm, I was an 80s movie buff growing up, so I watched, that's all I did was watch movies and Saturday Night Live, and uh, I, don't, I don't drag on our senior staff calls very often. I'll usually just tweet him a, a quick video link of, of something I was thinking about when he was, when he was talking that's from Caddyshack or, <laughs> or, or, or an SNL skit. Uh, nice. Just a, yeah, he's, 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 and everything's off the cuff. I mean, he, he is, what you see is what you get. He, that, yeah. that is him. That's is. true. Yep. I've learned, I learned that directly from him. So what's <laughs> it, what sets Texas apart from all the other, you know, universities that, you know, what we do, what you do versus, you know, our, our rivals and, and other people in big 12 or other, other, uh, you know, top five, you know, you know, SEC and ACC and other guys, what does Texas do different? I think it's, I think it's just the, the, pride and passion people have for this place, this state, how important the University of Texas is to this to this state. I still remember when we won the national championship game and Max getting congratulations calls from people at A&M. And you would think the rivalry would prevent them from that. And, you know, I, I think there's probably some Aggies that wore Longhorn hats that day in support of just that the state, you know, we're proud that the state won a championship game. And um, that it's just... You know, it's it where it's located. You know, it's the best college town in America. So obviously, that people are drawn to it. The type of student athlete we get. Um, you have to be serious about school. You have to be serious about everything you do. I, the, the the guys I have the opportunity to work with. It. I mean, so many of them have impacted me far more than I could impact them. Just because of the. I mean. Who in the world gets to work with two brothers like the Achos? Who you you when you when you're doing an interview, you you like, I I can't tell you how many times I told um, Dr. Acho their their dad and their mom during awards things we were at and things saying, hey, can I just send my kids to you for like just for the summer? Can they just spend the summer with you? However you're te teaching, them. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean we just they like it. I, I don't, I, it's probably corny, but I just think really special people end up here and we get to, we get to work with them and they, they, they love the place. They embrace the place, the way the guys are sharing their voices now in the, in, in this social justice realm. I mean, our guys, when you think about it, that our guys are handling it the way they want to, I mean, they're expressing themselves in a way 
they want to very professionally and um, not not getting caught up in emotions of things, but you know, to making sure that they, their voices are heard. The fact that when when I'm standing there on the field, when the when Ricky and Earl came to speak to the team about the field being named for them, and first they're thanking Dar Jamal and the Jamal family, which is still beyond me that somebody would would take their name off the field for 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 the cause for the movement essentially and yeah. uh that that ricky and earl are telling these young guys these 20 year old kids in the in the stands looking down at them thank you i mean it's because of you and because of your willingness and because of the way you use your voice the positive way you use your voice they just named the field after two legendary black football players i mean it, you get chills just that's the kind of stuff that happens at our place though that's that is so cool and i mean i was longer networks working on a story for the uh, julius whittier statue and how cool is that going to be when that thing's erected i mean oh yeah it's gonna be awesome you know it started with me and jimmy saxton yep oh yeah yeah. i've talked to jimmy a bunch yeah (laughs) it was pretty cool man i i'm excited to see it go up i really am yeah so it's i I think that's it's so much so much powerful stuff happens where we're located that we're there's no pro sports teams in our in our city that's you know one of the top 10 largest cities in the country and how fast it's grown and everybody loves coming here and you know the type of students that are on the campus that the our, our student athletes are in classes with and learning from and the the you know that it's it's just a a lot of a lot of great stuff comes out of here and it's it's i, I just feel blessed to be able to tell the stories of it honestly well yeah, t- that's why we got you on the on the show because you know yeah that- I, I tell you what that's that sums it up really well and and it's it is a special place i you know i've 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 been lucky enough to to be on campus just as t- you know todd's been lucky enough to wear the burn orange and having you there john to help guide these young men it's uh it's it's really something special and um and, and as a, let me ask you this the you know besides everything you know, our current situation with the pandemic and everything what's been your biggest challenge doing your job in the midst of this of this COVID-19 pandemic probably the, the biggest challenge is not being around the student athletes yeah. and the coaches on a well, now I am fortunately. I, I mean, I, I kind of look at August as my month of normalcy because when I got back out around practice and stuff and around the, you know, doing interviews with the players and coaches, uh, it gave, made me, you know, that's why I got in the business. I mean, I got in the business to, to help young people and to be around young people and to share their stories and uh, get to know the team. That's the greatest thing about, about, being working at a university is you feel you're a part of the team. You you play a you play whatever small role you play to, to help everything be better. But uh, it was so hard for those few months where we, we weren't around, where we weren't on campus, we weren't around each other, we weren't you know seeing the th- great things that are going on. And there's and when you think about all that was going on in our country at that time, yeah. and you're watching it from <laughs> you're watching it from you know thirty thousand feet above just saying, gosh, I can't wait till we get back and, and get to really tell all these stories. Um, but that, that was, that was hard. And it's hard now too. I mean, as much as we needle each other, I, I really, I, I really appreciate them that beat 
core beat. There's not many people that have 15 or 20 beat reporters either. So it's, we have a lot of different personalities. I like being around those guys. I like, like our introducing our kids to the, the student athletes to them so that they can, you know, learn how to deal with the, the media and, and share their stories. And it's just so much different on, on, in a virtual sense. It's so much different on a zoom call. We found ways to do it. And, um, I feel good about that. And there's probably things that we'll be able to utilize going forward. But uh, yeah, that the just uh, I, I'm in a people business and just not being around people is really hard. I totally get it. I absolutely. Well, I tell you, John, it's been a pleasure, my man. It's been yeah. a pleasure again having you on and, uh, you know, talking with you. I, like I said, I've learned a lot about yourself and I already knew you're awesome guy before the call. So <laughs> yeah. it was just confirming that all together for me. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, you, you, you're, you're an awesome guy too. Oh, whatever. You just. Aww. Aww. <laughs> and guess what? When I showed up, when I showed up on my first day on the job was the the uh, the day two days were starting, and I walked out to the field to get introduced to to Makovic. I was trying to figure out who was on the team for that whole first year. I was, they sent me in the <laughs> locker room. Can you get Anthony Curl? Okay, which number is he? <laughs> Forty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a, so I got, I got a, I was drinking out of a fire hose that, that first year, but after that, I'm starting starting to settle in. So I can understand. uh, It's been nice getting to know you after the fact. Yes. No, no (laughs) worries, my friend. It's, it's a good stuff. He is John Bianco. He is the senior associate athletic director at the University of Texas, the man in charge of media relations. John, it's been great to, to uh, get to talk to you tonight, learn more about you. Uh, I, I personally will thank you for everything you've done for me. You're always incredibly kind. Every time I've been there for a press conference or something like that, you're you're always there ready to answer a question or or help point me in the right direction and and I appreciate it. I know and I know a lot of my colleagues feel the same way. And so, uh, you know, all the best to you. Best of luck. Uh I'm looking forward to us getting through a whole season. Let's have a great season and and just enjoying everything and you know uh, you know enjoy appreciating the special the special environment we have at the University of Texas. So um, thank you so much, John. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at ut underscore Bianco. You can see all the stuff he does. He has some great great tweets about what's happening at Texas. Doesn't in football, basketball, baseball, swimming, everything that happens UT athletics. This is the man that has the pulse of it. So, John, again, thank you so much. That'll do it for this week's or th- tonight's uh, Longhorn Lowdown. Uh, we'll be back to you our next episode. We'll talk to Roy Williams, number 11 in your program, number one in your hearts. But until then, make sure you follow Todd Hunt on Instagram at 94.hunt. Make sure you follow Stevie Lee. It's at Stevie J. Lee on, inst- on Twitter. And Stevie Lee 65 on Instagram, or it might be flipped. You can find him. Don't worry. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> at Stu Myrick. That's S-T-E-W-M-Y-R-I-C-K. And you follow the follow the podcast on Twitter, at Longhorn Lowdown, also on Instagram. Again, John Bianco, thank you so much. Uh, Todd, great job as always. We'll be back next time. But until then, hook them. Hook them.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.